Um, before we jump in, though, let me just take a moment and, and pray for us in our time. We've already had such a, a wonderful time of worship. Uh, let's just continue to invite the Lord to speak. So, Father, we come before you, and uh, God, we just know that it is good when we gather, um, that you encourage us, you tell us to do so, and uh, Father, you, you meet us uniquely in these moments, and so, Lord, we ask that you would, uh, that you would... Uh, just penetrate our hearts, God, that you would clear away any distractions, anything that would pull our attention uh, away from you in these moments. Um, Lord, we're, we're here, and we want to use this time uh, for your glory and for your good and for you to shape us, and so would you do that? And so we, we invite your spirit, which is already here. Uh, it's moving in and, in and among us, um, and so, Lord, we recognize you in these in this space, and we ask again for your, uh, for your word, for your truth. Um, God, these words that I put forth, um, Lord, would you guide them? Would they not be of my own agenda, but of yours? Um, and God, as we, we look to this book of Exodus, would you just continue to remind us the truth that this story is not a story, but it's a, an account of your people, which is, which is our people. It's our story. And so, Lord, would we, we step into it fully and completely. So we give this time to you. We love you and we pray all of these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I am uh, going to jump back into Exodus 19. And we're, we're going to look at something that is spoken about four times in this chapter, the word that's used four times uh, within the chapter in, in we first hear it in verse 10. So you can jump to verse 10 with me. I'm going to read it. It's also going to be up on the screen for you. And it says this. The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And the word I want us to pay attention to is that word, go to the people and consecrate them. Consecrate, the, consecrate them today and tomorrow for on the third day, I'm going to come down, I'm going to meet with you, but you need to be prepared for when I show up. If you were with us on Sunday, we talked around this idea that the holy God showed up on this mountain. He put a border around it that he consecrated so that they weren't to come anywhere near it. And now he's telling them to consecrate themselves, to prepare, uh, to, to meet and encounter him. So in verse 10, we see this, go to the people and consecrate them. Verse 14, we also see this, Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments. Verse 22 also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves. And verse 23 is when it's talking around the limits around the mountain. It says, set limits around the mountain and consecrate. And so the question before us is, what is this consecration? This isn't something new. We hear about this throughout Scripture. But just so we can be clear, to consecrate something is to set it aside. It's to make it holy. It's to be set apart. It's to, to be removed from common use. And so when you think of the holy, to, to encounter the holy, you need to prepare yourself. And so God is saying, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart when you're going to come into my presence. Be careful of, of what you do beforehand. Come washed and clean and ready to encounter me. And the question I have is when you think of something holy, 
something sacred, what comes to your mind? What, what do you think of? What's a, what's a common day thing that we think of as holy? Any ideas? And you can just call it out. The Bible, it, it, appropriately because it's the Holy Bible, right? And then, you know, the, the cross, the Holy Cross. What else do we see as objects that are holy? A chalice, a holy chalice. God. Someone said marriage. Oh, I like that. Holy Saints, the saints are holy. We're set apart, right? We see that theme throughout. So we have all of these ideas of, of what is holy. I, I want to give us a little bit different picture, okay? To, to think about this, to think of something that's set aside, something that is set apart, something that's removed from common use, that's, that's utilized in a special way. And, and I heard this uh, from, from a pastor a while back, and I thought the illustration was so good uh, when he talked around... When we think of something holy, it really is much like a, a toothbrush. Huh? So go with me here, right? Go with me here. Right, right now you're like a toothbrush. Where a toothbrush, it really has one job, right? Just, just to clean your teeth. You use it, use it, hopefully you use it more than once a day. Uh, hopefully you've got that in your rhythm. But it's set apart for that one job, right? You don't use your toothbrush... Hopefully, you don't use your toothbrush for anything else, right? It's the one thing that you use to, to brush your teeth. And if someone were to grab hold of your toothbrush and use it for anything else, well, suddenly it would be profane and disgusting. And, and if they were to clean something with it, you're not going to put that back in your mouth. It's no longer holy. It's no longer being used for what it was intended to be used for. So you're not quick to share your toothbrush with anyone, are you? Like, oh, here, just borrow mine. No, you wouldn't do that. I, I know spouses that get in fights over that sort of thing. If my kids accidentally touch my toothbrush, my first instinct is just to throw it away. It's no good anymore. We've got to start over because it's, it's holy. It's consecrated for a particular use. It's, it's set apart. Right? And so when God shows up in this moment, he says to his people, consecrate yourselves, set yourselves apart, for you are holy, and you're about to encounter the holy. Right? He's, he's preparing them. So go and consecrate yourselves. And, and they finally, the, the people have been wandering throughout the desert, and it's three months' time, and they finally make it to the foot of the mountain. And God meets them there in a powerful and a mighty way, and he tells them to go and, and wash themselves. And, and we're given two commands, consecrate yourself, wash yourselves. And then the last thing that Moses just kind of slips in there, and we talked a little bit about this on Sunday, is that the, the husbands and wives were to abstain from sexual relations. Now, that's not a commentary on sexual relations being unholy or a bad thing. That's more of around the, the, the ritualistic uh, nature of the law in which we are to keep ourselves clean. And there's certain laws that we're going to look at once we get into uh, the Ten Commandments and the book of the law where it's going to talk around some of these things of how we're to wash ourselves and clean, keep ourselves clean. Uh, and so that's what he's really referring to there. Set yourselves apart in this moment. And I, I want you to wash yourselves so that you are clean, for you're about to encounter the holy, so make yourselves holy in this moment. This idea of consecration, a setting apart, is woven throughout Scripture, and the word that's used here for, for consecrate is, is kadosh. It's the Hebrew word kadosh. 
which can also be translated as holy, sanctified, consecrated. All things meaning be set apart, removed from common use and set aside for a significant purpose. The law and the Torah, as we will step into, would be put in place to help people stay within the bounds of living a consecrated, set-apart life. They were to move to the rhythms of God's grace, His instruction, and so their lives would be seen as set-apart and different because they didn't just fall into the patterns of the world. They followed along in the way in which God had designed it. We even see that already God had given the Israelites as he was freeing them certain festivals and and feasts that would be a rhythm for them throughout time to remember their identity, but also to, again, remember that they are consecrated, set apart by God. It was him who had rescued them, him who had saved them, and they are to see him as holy and therefore to approach him with holiness and an otherness, but they are to prepare themselves in a way in which they could come as clean as possible. See, in this moment, God is saying, I want you to to look towards me and, and no one else. I want your mind fixed on what you are about to encounter in my presence. And so you need to prepare yourself. You need to to look at God as you look at no other. That's what he's demanding of us. Now, there's a certain look. uh, I didn't fully realize this, but there's a certain look uh, that my wife talks about that I I give her and I give no other, right? And, And really where it first became pronounced and where she told me every time it's one of my favorite things is when I was leading worship, no matter where she would come walking in the room and I was playing my guitar, I could be middle of a chorus, middle of a song, and all of a sudden we would, we would find each other and there was a look that I gave just to her and it was this sacred thing to her. It was wonderful and I, I didn't give it to anybody else, I promise. It was just her until a very good friend of mine and mentor of mine, he, he and I had been through a lot of life together, still one of my best friends to this day and he had been gone for several months and, and suddenly he showed back up in church, and as he was walking in, I was surprised to see him, and we locked eyes, and apparently Rachel locked eyes with me locking eyes with him, and I gave him the look, and it was profane, and she was, she was wounded deeply. She said, that was my look, and you gave it to somebody else, right? Now, it's convenient she's not here to defend herself, but she would tell you this is all very true and how this all played out. But I I looked at her with a look that was reserved. I looked at him with a look that was reserved only for my wife. And what the Lord is saying in this moment is, I want you to look at me as you look at no one else. I want you to pay attention to me as you pay attention to no one else. See, but the problem that we have is we often give the look to far lesser things and we allow them to dictate our worth in a way that God never intended because he said, you need to consecrate yourself. You're set apart You're my treasured possession. You're my kingdom of priests. There's there's a difference between this interaction that we are to have with the Lord. And so as God is calling his people to encounter him in this significant moment, he calls them to prepare, to make themselves ready for his presence so that they can be fully in the moment, fully vested in what is happening. See, heart is even naturally vested moment with the Lord because we carry so much else into the conversation. 
we carry all those things that we wish we hadn't done, the things that we know he's, he, he's, he's seen all of what we're doing, and, and so we can come with this shame. It's a little bit like when you're, you're lying to somebody. You can never be free with them because you're always worried that you're going to somehow betray the fact that you're lying to them, so you're never really embracing the moment. And God's saying, I want you to be free when I encounter you, to hear from me fully and completely. And so prepare yourself, purge yourself, wash yourself, come before me with with your eyes fixed on me. And so here we see God inviting the Israelites to meet with him. And he gives them a few days to prepare before he comes down. And what they are to do is to wash their clothes. Now, there's, there's something beautifully symbolic about this because if you've traveled for any distance at any time, you know that once you finally get to your destinations, one of the greatest things is a nice warm shower and a new set of clothes. You suddenly just feel so clean. And God is still trying to wash Egypt out of his people and they've been wandering around and now they're coming to encounter him and he says, I, I want you to be clean. Now, this process of washing their clothes and the amount of people that were there, that would have taken some time. There could have been long lines to get to the water source in order to do this, but he's saying it's important for you to put on those, those new clothes that are, that are clean as you come before me so that there's no barrier between us when I speak to you. And so he tells them to, to wash themselves. And this idea of, of washing ourselves is something we see throughout Scripture. It, it's, it signifies a fresh start. It also signifies purity and, and the idea of cleanliness. And so before they meet with God, they continue to cleanse themselves of Egypt and their past. See, even with God's law, we will see other ritual cleansing and washing, and it's an act of of consecrating ourselves before the Lord, building in these rhythms to keep our eyes and our attention fixed on Him, to pay attention to His rhythm of life and what He designed us for so that we may flourish in relationship with Him. And all God is doing in this moment as he gives them these tangible reminders is prepping them and reminding them and exposing them and aligning them with the holy. You see, that's, that's why I appreciate times together like this. Whether it's our, our Wednesday night or whether it's our Sunday or whether it's gathering in homes together, there's something to that rhythm that breaks through and it reminds us of the holy. It reminds us that we're set apart. It reminds us of what we've been called to because let's be honest, we quickly forget. And we step into our our work week and suddenly it it pulls us down and and we forget that we were designed for something greater, to, to walk with the Lord in all things. And so this Wednesday night gives us a rhythm of remembering just as God would give his people all these reminders and these rhythms and these ways that they would remember to be holy as he is holy, that he had set them apart. That's why we're to align ourselves to his ways and not our own ways. And so we come into moments like this and much like the Israelites trying to wash Egypt out of their clothes, we step into these times and we try to to wash our weak out of ourselves. 
We wash those things that have taken our attention from the holy. We wash those moments where we responded way worse than we'd hoped we would. We wash those moments where we've just felt lost. We set apart time to be still and to be shaped by the holy. This is what God is instilling in his people from the very to look at him and to listen to him above all else, but we are so quick to forget. And so when we look at the law and the instruction and the, the Torah, some of us see just the squashing of our freedom and really God saying, no, 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 I want you to live freely and you pack so many other distractions in that this is to help you keep your eyes and your ways towards me to remember just who I am. See, within the Exodus story, we see God inviting a people to a life set apart with him. He's already rescued them. He's made that clear. I bore you on eagle's wings. I have rescued you. You're not trying to earn this now. I rescued you for life with me. That's what God is telling his people. And so he continues to point, point them towards life. He continues in the same way to point us towards life. And he speaks with thunder from a mountain. As a conversation with Moses, the people hear this going back and forth and they all agree, we will do whatever you tell us to do. We will be your people. Because God's intent in, in our obedience towards him is that we may flourish as he intends us to in relationship with him. But our problem is we can't make ourselves holy. We can't, we can't do that. Try as we might, we can't, we can't do it all right. And most of us, the second we hear that, have a list of reasons of, of all the things that we've done wrong. We're, we're real quick to point that out in ourselves. We know that all too well. So when we hear things like be perfect as I am perfect, be holy as I am holy, we say, I, I, I don't know how to do that. It's an unbearable yoke that you're putting upon my shoulders and I, I will never, ever line up to that. See, and this is the beauty of the conversation that God has started with the Israelites is he, he provides for them these ways that they can continue to be in relationship with them, but that he continues to pave a new and better way through Jesus who comes and lives the perfect and holy life, sets that example for us, shows us what God looks like with skin on. He moves into the neighborhood and walks among us and says, follow me. What I am doing is possible through me. So pay attention to my voice. Fix your eyes on me. And we're invited once again into the holy to be set apart by him, to live holy as he is holy, but not in our own strength and our own might, but through his. Because we recognize that because of him, and because of what he has done for us, that he conquered death, that he conquered sin, he's paid the debt for each and every one of us who have turned our eyes and our attention towards him and said, yes, Lord, I cannot do this on my own. I need you. 
I need a better way, and you provide it. And not only that, but we are equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit that now resides in us. The Holy is with us, and we walk around as living temples. This is the beauty of what we get to experience and step into, and not because of anything that we have done. It's all because of what he did on our behalf. See, but still, we still forget. We forget who we are. We forget who we are called to be. We forget that God has called us out calls out of our past to draw us into life with him. And so much like the people at the foot of the mountain, we, we stand in awe of the holy. But when we do so, we recognize the unholy that is still inside of us, that we still wrestle against because when we experience the, the holy goodness of who God is, it, it shines brightly on us and it exposes us and all our faults and flaws, everything that we want no one to see, he sees it. But here's the beauty of being a consecrated and holy people, not on our own strength, but on what he has done. There's a moment when Paul is talking to the Corinthian church, which if there's any church that should give us hope in our daily life, it is the Corinthian church. There are so many fractures and problems within that church and still God used it in in amazing ways and, and speaks to us through what Paul spoke to that church. And as Paul is reminding them just who they are, as he tells them, you're swindlers, you're cheats, you're greedy, you're drunkards, you're druggies. All of these things. You've chased after lesser gods. You've chased after your own fulfillment. You've chased after sexual perversion. You have gone the wrong way in all of these things. This is who this church is made up of as Paul rifles through this list. And the thing with the list is we can all find ourselves on that list in 1 Corinthians 6. We're we're all there. And we start to feel rather unholy in that moment. And we find ourselves at the foot of the mountain wondering, how did we even get this close without being struck dead? But the beauty of what Paul proclaims in this moment is the beauty of stepping in as a consecrated people that have been set apart because of the work of, of Christ. And as Paul lists all the things of who we are and all the faults and flaws that we have, he stops and in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. To which I say, looking at all of us in the room, such were some of you. People chasing after your own desires, lost in all things. But, Paul finishes, you were washed, you were sanctified. That word sanctified there, it's the same word for consecrate. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So this 
this is the truth that we step into and we remember and we realign ourselves to and we confess that we fall short of, but we remember that we have been consecrated and set apart, that each of us who, who call on the name of Jesus, you have been washed. You are, are clean in him. You are sanctified. You are set apart. You are holy. And you are justified. Justice has been served on your behalf because of what Jesus has done for you, not through any action of your own, but because of what he has done. And when we turn to him and we rest in that truth, we are washed, we are sanctified, we are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And that is very good news. And so this is what I want us to do tonight is I want us to, to come and, and use this as a, as a place to consecrate ourselves again. Much like the Israelites prepared themselves to encounter the Lord. I want to give some space just to be still. To come and be quiet before the Lord. And I'm going to give you a few questions to, to reflect on to use this as a, as a moment to kind of readjust. Maybe you just need to readjust your week. Maybe you need to readjust 2020 already and where you're at. But, but sit before him and ask these, these questions. First, come and say, what do I need to confess? What do I need to give up to you right now? What, what, what do I know is just... It's, it's creating a distance between you and the Lord and, and you just need to confess it. You just need to get that out right now. Second thing is, what do I need to realign? What I mean by that is, what, what do I need to readjust to, to his way? Where, where am I looking elsewhere that I need to turn my attention back towards him where I've already forgotten his way and his truth and his goodness? And where do I need to realign my life back to him? The third one is this, what do I need to remember? So I think this is an important one because when we confess, there's a, the freedom that comes, but we have to remember that we're also forgiven, that we are washed, that we are sanctified, that we are justified, that that's our identity, that's who we are as consecrated people set apart as a kingdom of priests because of what Jesus has done. And so we, we need to remember the truth of the gospel is not just something we proclaim over others, we proclaim it over ourselves as well. Paul Tripp often talks around this idea that the, the person you have to preach the gospel to the most is yourself. And so when we step into these moments where we can be quiet just for a little bit, which is hard to do in all of life, but when we step into these moments, we can be quiet and we can remember the goodness of this truth that isn't just for your neighbor. It is, and that's a beautiful thing, but it's also for you. We need to claim that and hold tight to that. And then the last thing is, what do I need to set apart? What are some rhythms or some things in your life that you are, are allowing to, to dictate who you are? And you just need to go, you know, I need to reclaim some of this and I need to, I need to set myself apart before the Lord. I need to set this aside to him and I need to consecrate myself to him and I need to, I need to give him back my mornings. I need to give him back my first thoughts of the day. I need, I need to end my day well with him. Whatever that may be, and you may get to one of these questions and the Lord just wants to speak to you there. There's, there's no rush to get through all of them. 
What I encourage you to do in these moments is to lean in and to truly listen to what the Lord has for you. The worship team is going to come up and they're going to play underneath us. But as we sit quietly before the Lord, I just want to give you the gift of space to consecrate yourself before Him. And then as we move into a time of worship, whenever you're ready, there's a table set up in the back. And on that table, you will find the communion elements of the bread and the cup, the bread representing his body, which has been broken for each and every one of us. The blood is his blood that was shed that we might have life in him, the debt that has been paid for him once by him once and for all. And so I encourage you, after sitting and coming before him to take the cup, take the bread. To confess, realign, to remember, and to set apart once again. And to remember this truth that you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Amen? Amen. And pray with me. Father, sometimes... We want to make your truth so complicated. Um, Would you remind us of the purity of the good news that you love us and you provided a way for us. And God, in these moments, I do pray that we would give you space to, to speak to us. And more than that, Lord, that we would listen. God, we are so grateful for what you have done. That because of you, we are washed, we are clean, we are sanctified, we are justified through through no ability of our own, but solely through Jesus. The name that is above every name. So God, in these moments, speak. May we listen. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name.